Good morning, guys, and today we have a fantastic guest, Colby Kane, who is the owner, founder, and lead designer at Aviator Clothing. Uh, it's a fantastic brand. They have been all over the place, to say the least. They're in Saks Fifth Avenue, they're on Amazon, Kitson, Fred Siegel, uh, and the list goes on and on. Colby, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to share with us today. Hey, good morning, Casey. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, no, we're honored to have you. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your background in the business to give the listeners some idea of, of your success. And then we can go into breaking that down into actual manageable chunks. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, so I started Aviator um, as as a clothing brand, uh, men's menswear, sportswear. Um, and the idea was to create um, heritage, like American vintage heritage clothing for the guy. Um, started with t-shirts, moved into Oxfords and chambray shirts, and then denim. Um, and the business model was really that traditional um, clothing path where you create a brand, you go to trade shows, and you sell your products to all these stores. Um, we were fortunate enough to get into a lot of the, the great stores like you just mentioned, the Fred Siegel's, Kitson, Saks Fifth Avenue. And, Which is a whole and, achievement in itself, you know? <clears throat> oh, for sure. And, it, and it, it's a great experience to, to, to learn that business, the, the clothing business through this channel, which is how it's been for, for so many years. Um, I kind of dove into it too without that much experience in like manufacturing and dealing with clothing stores. Um, but then it was um, 2008, 2009 when the market kind of changed in the recession. I started, I noticed my numbers weren't um, increasing like I was accustomed to for the first few years and it kind of plateaued. And I actually had like a, a three year um, plateau where my numbers were kind of just steady. They didn't dive or, but they just didn't grow and the business seemed to stall a little bit. Um, but it was at one of these trade shows where I met somebody, um, and got a little information about, um, changing directions and going direct to consumer. And I kind of got inspired by that. And, um, cause I had, I was just thinking there was, there had to be a better way than doing, spending so much money on trade shows developing a whole collection, which costs a lot of money to develop a whole collection. And then it's, I just felt like there, there was a shift happening. Um, and then I learned of Kickstarter. So, and that's what really pivoted my business into what it is now. Um, so we no longer. And for those of people who don't know what Kickstarter is, can you just give them a two second summary of that? Yeah, Kickstarter is a is 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 the the largest crowdfunding um, platform in the world, I suppose. Um, and what that means is you could um, sell a product on Kickstarter, um, and instead of and raise money for your business, and instead of giving equity to, to your of your business to um, these people who support you, you can send them the product. You can yes. shift them the product. So, so it's fundamentally like it's. It's a revolutionary platform, which kind of goes in line with going straight to B to C, but it really allows you to build a fan base and take a lot of the risk out of a new line or a new brand completely, right? Absolutely. It was a total game changer for us because it, it really flipped the whole business model 
upside down, the way I looked at it, from going the traditional um, route of having a clothing brand to what is the direct-to-consumer model and online, digital only. And um, Kickstarter, I mean, you have to go back. This is in 2012 when I don't know the, the you know, when Kickstarter was at its all-time high or not, but I felt like once I discovered Kickstarter, I felt like, wow, this, this is pretty an incredible platform and an opportunity for me to change my business. It was actually, Casey, it was funny because I, I was at this trade show when I first learned about it, and I was accepting all these orders for my brands, which happened to be called Aviator, which was more of just a lifestyle thing that I kind of got hung up on at the time. Um, the idea of that was I wanted to create a, this brand that was, I was thinking like Polo. Like Ralph Lauren named his brand Polo because he was trying to evoke a country club lifestyle. So I chose the name Aviator really to evoke this more jet setter lifestyle, even though my clothing had nothing to do with being a jet setter or anything like that. But I just felt like it was more modern and kind of current on a global scale. Um, but anyway, when I, I so I launched a, a product on Kickstarter in 2000 and I guess it was 2013 or late 2012 when I, um, got my first product up on Kickstarter and I launched a product and, and the, the first sale or backer Kickstarter, they call them backers. The first backer was a woman in Florida who I did not know. I was expecting it to be my mom to be the first customer, right? Like, but it was some woman who was, who was an avid traveler and she saw my red eye hoodie and she was like, I've been waiting for this for years. So I kind of knew I was onto something. Um, I probably skipped, by the way, just going right all the way to my story. I kind of, I think I fast forwarded a little bit too quickly. Uh, it's perfectly fine. Don't worry. It's a, it's a key part of, I think, the success of the modern day version of the business is you found your business was stagnating. You needed to find a new solution. So then being at a trade show, being around other people, um, talking, communicating, this thing popped out, which in this case, it was just this platform that was Kickstarter. That's now evolved into many platforms, similar to Kickstarter for various industries, but that was, that was fantastic. And then what did you really do to, to get good at Kickstarter? Because it's all good and well knowing, oh, there's a potential platform, but then to craft a, a new skill of learning to sell on that platform and really market differently, direct to consumer when, they know that there's a chance that they might not even get this product. How did you go about creating or developing that skill and becoming really good at that? That's a, that's a great question because that wasn't something I was um, versed in as far as like I was do I, I had no idea how to digitally market. Um, I really didn't know much about it. So the first thing I did is well, the per I met this person and then he, he, he told me about his project on Kickstarter and I, the first thing I did is I, I went back to the hotel room and I looked up Kickstarter because I never heard of it. Then I looked up his product and it was all very intuitive. And all of a sudden I'm watching a product, uh, I'm watching his project video and on his project page and reviewing everything. And I'm like, I was just to say I was impressed is an understatement. Um, that project went on to um, raise a million dollars in 30 days. And, and I was kind of just blown away by that. Um, so then I just started just diving deep into Kickstarter and learning about it. Um, 
watching YouTube videos on it, reading blogs about it, just even on their own page, uh, on their own platform, you can learn a lot of information about how to create a project. It was very intuitive, I felt like. So it took a lot of um, the how do I do this out of the equation because it was it's so intuitive, it makes it easy that so anyone could create a project. However, there's just a lot of work that has to go into it. You do have to do a lot of due diligence. I've learned to kind of set yourself up for success on a crowdfunding platform. Um, but it was basically um, trying to <clears throat> get as many people online to gather and to you know, collect, collect a, a pool of people, potential buyers. So, so let me just summarize what I think you said there and tell me if this is right. So in terms of, obviously, you, you did your research, you found out the products that were doing well, and then you just immersed yourself in learning and seeing which products were doing well, what the common trends were in those videos or those pictures in order for them to, to get funded so much money. And then you started to apply that to your own product. Absolutely. Like you... Um, you learn that you have to be able to tell a, a, a story that was compelling, right? Because the people that are watching these projects um, and backing these projects, not only do they, are they looking for the problem you're solving, but they also need to believe in you, right? Because they're, they don't know you. You're dealing with people digitally who don't know you. And, and if you want them to, to invest in you or, and then it's not even really, I shouldn't say invest in you because they're just, they're buying the product. So, but they really need to believe in you. So it has to be authentic. Yeah, but there's a level of that because they're not guaranteed to get the product, right? That, that, that happens a lot on these um, crowdfunding platforms. It's happened it's to like, me, so I know firsthand, but I don't mind yeah. as such if it's supporting a local or just a business that's trying to get up and running and I really like the idea. Yeah. It's unfortunate that that happens sometimes because it does happen. And I know that um, Kickstarter over the years has tried to um, get those, you know, get these fraudulent um, companies or products off their platform because it, it ruins it for everybody else that's trying to do something and do something honest and work hard. And, um, but that it was, I have to say though, like it's, you know, you, so I, I did, I immersed myself in it. I learned it. Um, and then I had a website that was collecting data or people's emails. So I had like a coming soon, um, this product, like look for my project on Kickstarter kind of thing. If you want more information, sign up to our newsletter. So I was collecting emails, which I thought was something that could be instrumental in getting momentum right at the beginning. Um, and that de definitely was helpful. Um, so, and then that project went on to, um, get me started and get me um, pivoted from that wholesale business model to the direct-to-consumer business model. Yeah, it's a, it's a great <clears throat> shift. It's a tough one to make. And the fact that you learned that new skill so quickly and then went on to, to use it multiple times is, uh, is a great testament, especially to the people listening where they're looking to see what can they do, how can they do things differently or better or improve. This is like taking the bull by the horns, learning about something, fully immersing yourself in it, and maybe not being so perfect at the start, but still taking that action and then getting better with every iteration. 
I did, yeah, because I, so as you know, I did um, go back to that Kickstarter well um, eight times, I think, or nine times over three years. So that means I, I created nine different products, put them all up on Kickstarter over a three-year period. Um, and I raised, I, th I think I raised about 550000 total over the three years. Meanwhile, that's all going on those products that I launched on Kickstarter that were successful, I would move over to my now online store, which is aviatorusa.com. And that's where, that was the whole idea of Kickstarter. I just looked at Kickstarter. Could every person that would back that project on Kickstarter was a potential customer for my website, Aviator USA. That was what it was. That was really the main plan. Um, and it worked, which is, which is great, but it definitely took a lot of effort. It's not, it wasn't easy. You know, some people, people think it's so easy to like create a Kickstarter and they're amazed by it. You know, like they go, Oh my God, this is incredible. In 30 days, you, you know, you raised 120 grand or whatever it is. And, and it's, they just think that, that it just, it's, it must be easy if you're doing it. And it's not like, as you probably know, most projects fail and don't even get funded. Yeah. Uh, so it does take a lot of work. And that's, that's the part I really want to highlight is that most people think it's easy. They'll see the, the success or the one-hit wonders that just raise hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars like overnight, and they're like, oh, wow, I could never do that. And they kind of phase themselves out of it, and it's like, well, you can do that, but you're just going to do it in a structured and organized way. And like you said, you went online, you did a lot of tutorials, you read around it, and you learned and then you take action whereas I think a lot of people just look for instant gratification these days and just want that quick fix and that's just not the case in reality that's a hundred percent right like I mean you if, especially in, in the digital world I mean it's not it's it's really hard to be honest with you and um, but the timing like it's also it's it's super hard but it's also we're I don't know. I feel like we're so fortunate that we're living in a time where this is even an option yeah. because to start a business. Otherwise I was looking at, for me, you know, I already had a business and I was just transitioning it into this new model because it just seemed like it was the way things were going, but going to a bank, getting a loan um, and dealing with that was just, that's a, that presents a whole nother set of, problems and um, time that and a skill set you know um, risk as well because when you look at that you would need hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in a loan to get a factory machinery equipment staff and the fact that you're all US based as well makes that a lot more expensive than a lot of your competitors um, so it's a big risk of let, at least let's just say three to four hundred thousand dollars to get set up whereas on this side you've got 120,000 in that first launch, pretty much ready to go before you've even lifted a finger, right? Yeah, and that was, that was the biggest game changer because when you're in this business of manufacturing clothing, the traditional model, you'd get all these orders from stores, then you'd take those purchase orders, you bring them, you know, come back to your office, you create all these purchase orders for the, um, for the factories. So we have to make these styles, these quantities. And then the factory in like, cause I make things in the USA, the factory might turn it around at 60 days, 90 days. And then I have to pay them once I'm, I'm COD with the factories cause the factories, they can't operate on terms. 
they need they need to get paid right away. So usually there's also a deposit involved. So if in the traditional model, I'm accepting all these orders. I'm paying my factories, you know, maybe a thirty percent deposit on those POs, and then I'm paying them the balance when they deliver those products to my office. And then we're shipping them out to stores, and then all the stores are net 30, which means they have 30 days to pay me after receiving the goods, but there's not one store that I've ever dealt with that pays you in 30 days. So they all need 60, 90. Yeah, you know, so your cash flow negative and your working capital cycle gets pretty long pretty quickly. Yeah, this it, it's it's a really tough business, and because you're out of money, and now there's other options. Like we we were at a size where we were factored by a bank, but the that that opens up a whole nother can of worms, which I can get into. But that's not my. I'm so glad I'm not dealing with factors anymore. However, um, so what happened? You know, after doing the Kickstarter, so I you know, for instance, that red eye hoodie, which which was my first project, I sold 2,500 hoodies. Raised one hundred and twenty-seven or one hundred twenty-nine thousand dollars, and then Kickstarter's um, situation is they pay you that money within I don't know it was probably ten days, two weeks of the project ending. So now I have minus Kickstarter's fee, I have the hunt, which was about I think it's five percent. I don't recall exactly, but I think it was about five percent, and then the maybe three percent credit card processing on top of that. But long story short, I had about $120,000 wired into my checking account a week and a half after that project was completed. And now I have the money to go out and produce these goods. So it flipped the whole business model. It's basically I got paid in advance to make these products and to ship these products. So it's a pretty unique experience. And it was and it's tenfold as well because it's like you said, one, you get paid in advance. So cash flow is now not as big a burden. Two, you build in a customer base, both for this product, future products, and your website, which you can then cultivate into future products down the line also. So it's just perpetuating and kind of building a snowball effect from the top of the mountain, right? That's exactly right. And that was the, that was the whole idea, getting paid up front, get, acquiring new customers, right? At, at not a, you know, my customer acquisition cost was, was low. You know, it was all email based. It was, it was actually, I guess it was sort of free at that time because it was really just the email list I've acquired uh, pre-launch and then it was word of mouth. And then also because I was, I was trending for a little bit on Kickstarter. So they were marketing me by putting me in their newsletter and things like that, where that would all help create momentum. And then the idea was just to get all these customers, these backers, and then turn them into my future customers. Um, and it, that's that was the master plan. No, that's awesome. That's really good. So then, you touched on it a little earlier in terms of storytelling and really building rapport in a different way than you were used to through the wholesale channels. How did you go about doing that? Because I think a lot of success really boils down to telling a, a good story, making an emotional connection, and whether it, and ultimately it leads to sales, but. What, what were the fundamental steps that you learned that really worked well well for you? Yeah, so that um, I, I learned that like, so when I was transitioning into this, I, um, I wanted to, um, I, I like, first of all, I like the name Aviator. I always want to keep it. I'm, a, I'm an avid traveler. My wife and I like to travel with, now with our kids, but we travel all the time. And 
I remember just thinking of ways to, you know, ease the traveling and the comfort on, on airplanes. And that's why I first created that red eye hoodie. And the red eye hoodie had all these features and benefits for, for the traveler. So to make you more comfortable while you're on the plane and throughout your trip. You need a COVID so, hoodie right now. What's that? You need a COVID hoodie right now. Yeah, no, a COVID hoodie, right? So I, um, so what it was, was I just, I, I wanted to create a product that solved a problem. And then I wanted to tell that story authentically, like um, how I started my how I started my business, what my thinking was to create this product, and just be really honest about um, who I am, what my experience is, um, and why I'm making this product. And 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 you have to tell that story in you know an under two minute video, and that's the video on Kickstarter at the time was like a that's a I, I would imagine it still is but that's a big part of it because it's the first thing people do when they land on a Kickstarter project page they oh hit play on the video and they want to know who you are what your story is um, see the product in action so that's what I did and um, and and then and then it was just also just really just laying out how it was going to play out for that that backer the person that was going to buy this product like what what are their expectations what are they receiving and just deliver on that as best you can um yeah great okay so as we as we look to end the uh, the episode i normally end with a question if you had to allocate between three items uh, your success what would you allocate between being lucky skill and drive <laughs> That's a great question. Um, wow, it's a, a part of me would like to say it's it's a, those three. It's a third of each, like because um, you definitely have timing is everything, right? Um, I, I'm a believer in that, like because and you know, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I read a lot and I hear about entrepreneurs' journeys and stories and and timing has definitely anyone that says timing doesn't have anything to do with it is they're not being honest because <laughs> um, I think timing has a lot to do with it, but certainly um, work ethic and drive are also equal parts. And for me, at least like um, you just have to take, take advantage of the time, um, work hard. Um, and, you know, I, Casey, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Like it's, I'd say it's a third each. No, that's, that's perfectly fine, whatever you think. You know, it's, it's really interesting to see how different entrepreneurs allocate that. So I like adding that in at the end. Yeah, do you find that most are, would agree, like what, what, are, what are most of your It's, it's so varied. Some people mainly go for drive and then the split skill and the luck side of things. A lot of people like you spread it evenly. Some people have very little luck. Some people put a lot of luck. A lot of people think, and I agree with this, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So it's like that's it's a good directly one. linked to the amount of effort and hard work you put in. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. Yeah, I do think this, Casey. I do think that skill is one of the I, – I, I would actually probably say that, you know, in certain fields, skill, like, you know, if you're natural at something – um, you know, like my grandfather, for instance, was a natural athlete. So, and, or any natural athlete, like, you know, you could only get so far if you don't have 
um, the, the skill set, you know, like a Michael Jordan or a Tiger Woods or like they're born with a skill set and then they take advantage of everything else. But if you don't have that skill set, you, you know, you can only get so far. But I do think in entrepreneurship, um, you know, there's it, that way is probably a little bit less, in my opinion, because you could learn the skill, but you have to have the drive. Yeah. yeah. And then you have to and then you have to be lucky with the timing. 100%. I think it's always a combination of all three, which is why I ask. I always like to get that insight. And Tony Robbins says one of the things uh, that really hit me, and it's be more resourceful. You know, the world that we live in right now, there's so many resources out there. And I think you, you, your Kickstarter is a perfect example of that, where you could have tried to pivot into a B2C business a million different ways, but you came across this platform. You were more resourceful. You were asking the right questions in the right environment and you came across it and then instantly jumped on it. Whereas a lot of people wouldn't have done that. So a lot of it has to be with be more resourceful, be open and always be looking. Yes. Always be looking, always be open for sure. So yeah, that, that always resonates with me. Okay. So if people want to get in contact with you or the website, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they could um, they could email me or on social media where av at aviatorusa.com. Um, they could also e I'm happy to answer any questions if I'm an open book because I, I always believe in paying it forward. So anyone wants to email me, they could email me at colby at aviatorusa.com. Um, and if I have time, I'll definitely get back to them. Um, I actually enjoy talking to other people that have um, questions or knowledge. Because I, like I said, I, I pay it forward. People ask me all the time. There's a, we live in LA and then I, everyone has friends in LA that want to start a clothing business or have an idea. And I love to hear about it and talk about that stuff. So fantastic. So there's an open invite from Colby to pick his sure. brain on, the, on anything clothing related. So thank you so much for your time and sharing your successful tips. And uh, we wish you all the best. Great. Thanks so much, Casey. Good to talk to you.